Thank you, rock climbers. Thank you, Lord, for our, our children, right? cool to get them to come in and, and like sing praises with us. And, then, and thank you, Lord, for our, our not quite children anymore. They got like mustaches and it's weird. I don't know. And, and the guys sometimes do too. And, but yeah. Where's the drummer on that one? The youth pastor's laughing. I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, so much for all the blessings. Thank you. For men and women who you spoke to their hearts that wrote the words to these songs, it just seemed to connect. Like, we know what they're feeling. We know what they're going through, and it relates to us. And you invite us into one body, Lord, one, one family, one with you, Lord Jesus, and one with the Father, and one with all the saints worshiping all over the place, Lord, all over the world. And so be with the saints everywhere throughout the world and in this building, and help us to know you more, not just know about you, but to know you, really know you. Make us alive in you, Jesus. Make our spiritual aliveness overcome our physical dyingness, I pray. Amen. So it seems ill-placed, but there was, a, there was a phone lost in the ladies' bathroom, right? Right, Laura? Yeah, so if you lost your phone. If you're looking for your Bible right now, and you're like, oh, where's my phone? Then go see Laura. She's got a big heart on her shirt because she loves you. She has your phone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, welcome. No matter how many of these, this part of the sermon series, we're going very slowly and we're going through the book of John. So we're at, at John 5, 19 through 26. So grab your Bibles or click it open. And go to chapter 5. We also, on Sunday night, all ages, it's open to really all the ages, we get together from 4 to 6, and we just, we go more into this, and sometimes we take field trips, you know, around the scriptures, but but we want, we don't want to just leave this, what God's showing us, and, and drop it, right? And then next week, it's a new thing. So, our best attempt is, what if we get together again Sunday evening? Please, you're all invited four to six, here at the church, and, um, and let, me just, let me just ask, Lord, guide me in, in talking to them about this. Only have me share what you want shared, I pray. Amen. Okay, you ready? So where we were, I think this is important, rather than just, just dropping you in, okay? This is the last section of scripture from last week. Jesus gave them this answer. What, what, why did Jesus have to give them an answer? Briefly. So Jesus came on Saturday, the Sabbath day, which was traditionally a no-work day for the Jews, right? The Sabbath day. Don't do any work. And they take it to extreme levels. He goes into this place where there's this, these pools of water. And, and the legend, the belief amongst the culture is, at certain times, an angel of God stirs those waters. And if you're the first person... To get into that water, you'll be healed by God of whatever ails you. So, as you would expect, there's quite a crowd of people gathered around this place waiting for the angel of the Lord to stir it. So, Jesus comes into this place on a Sabbath. And out of all those people, he goes up to this one man. And anyway, he, he uh, asked him if he wants to be healed. They go round and round a little bit. 
And he doesn't do anything really crazy spiritual, but he simply says, pick up your, your mat, pick up your bed, and walk. And this guy hadn't walked and had been suffering for 38 years. So needless to say, that guy getting up and walking away was quite a sight for anyone that knew him. And all the religious leaders who were around that area, because it was around the temple, were, were like, uh, yeah, what's, what's up with Billy over here? He hasn't been walking for 38 years, and now he is. Uh, we got to find, and who's doing this on the Sabbath? You know, as a matter of fact, Billy, you're in trouble because you weren't even supposed to pick up your little mat and walk. That's too much work for the Sabbath, right? So they ask him, who was it? I don't know. The dude disappeared. Then Jesus goes up to him and, around the temple and he's like, hey, you know, God has healed you basically. Don't go back into your life of sin. And the guy is like, oh, now I know who it is. And what he does, and I'm reading into this, but but his action speaks pretty loudly here. He goes over to those guys and like, I know who it is now. It was that guy right there. He was the one breaking the Sabbath. And I don't know if you know a lot about, you know, Jewish law, but what happens to a person who's breaking the Sabbath? What's, what's a penalty like for that, right? So these, are, these are like stiff penalties. He was trading it, being a traitor to Jesus and going back to his religion. So the people needlessly got mad. They were seeking more and more to kill Jesus. And, that's, and then once they're trying to approach Jesus, here's where we pick up. Jesus gave them this answer. Who's them? Right? The religious leaders, all the people that will listen there. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. We read this, and it's not that big of a deal, but what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, I am God's son. Like, I am equal to God. I am God. And this guy was a, a, a carpenter, right, from Nazareth. And he's claiming to be God. So we've been wrestling with that a little bit, talking around that forever. And, and then... So we're going to keep going forward, but just so that you know where we were. And he says, very, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So basically, Jesus just dropped this huge bomb like, I'm God. And you're thinking, man, did he want them to kill him? Yeah. It's one of the, one of the reasons he came. So, I mean, did he like that? I, I don't know, right? But he is God. He knows more than you and I know. He could see more than we could see. And he had such communion with, such relationship with God the Father, right? That, that he was connected to what was going on. Verse 21, moving forward now. For as the father raises the dead, raises the dead, he's like, wait, you think this has been amazing? That guy walked? Watch what the father's going to do. And you're really going to be amazed. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Now, we could dwell on this for a long time, but we, we've got we've to come to grips with this. Uh, I'm here because I believe, I believe what was written here, although it was written by the hands of man, it was given to them by God. And that every person who, 
who had to translate it over time, was also under the same guidance of that same God, his Holy Spirit. And they continued to translate it. So that way, this, this faith and this truth could go beyond all countries, all nations, and all languages. Because at the end of it, every tongue and every tribe and every nation will praise God. If we don't translate it, we can't get there. But what I'm telling you, what I love about going through a gospel, is what we call these books that talk about Jesus, is so much of what we believe over time has been additives that men and women have given us. Right? And although they're not all untrue, we need to be honest about what are additives and what's coming right from here. So please understand, your, your question is, are you going to believe this and all, it, all its implications, or are you going to doubt part of it, right? And this is a big thing we have to face today. Because if we're going to follow him, he's got to be God. Jesus is not a good man. He's not a prophet. He's not a good teacher. He's either absolutely a madman that should be killed, and all record of him should be erased from mankind, or he's God. Right? What we're going to find here is since the beginning, we're like, yeah, but, right? The yeah, buts, we like to talk about at our house. Yeah, but, and then they start to backpedal. Yeah, I believe that, but, and you backpedal. And you try to water Jesus down, and then you wonder why your life is going nowhere. Right? It's like drinking coffee where it's this much coffee and that much creamer, right? And you're like, I don't know, it's not the sugar. What's the sugar lays off? I don't think I'm getting enough caffeine. Yeah, because you're not actually getting the full effect of what it is. We're not getting the fullness of God because we've watered Jesus down so much that he's some man like me and all my limitations. Okay, that's enough of that. So let's back to this. I've highlighted here the son gives wisdom, or I'm sorry, the son gives life, if I could read, to whom he will. Corey, what's that mean? Right? Like, does this, does this section, this, this phrase, Jesus gives life to whom he will, is that just about resurrection? Because that's one thought. He is going to get into the judgment and the resurrection later in this. Because understand, this is, we're taking parts of one speech. This whole chapter from here on out is all a speech that he's giving. Uh, so he's going to get there. But I agree with the consensus here that when Jesus gives life, it's more than, he, than life in the future, but there's life now. And, and one of the evidences I would have for that, that I would present to you, is what John already wrote that Jesus already said. Okay? If you go back to John 3, this is really small print, so you might want to look at it on your computer, okay? But, or your, I mean your uh, phone or your Bible. But you can make a note of this. John 3, 5, this is where Jesus was talking to a guy. Do you remember, do you remember the, the Jewish leader's name, the teacher of teachers? Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him because they couldn't argue that what Jesus was doing miraculously was, was pointing to the fact that he must be from God. He even says that. I, I know that you're, we, we sense that you're from God. Well, Jesus drops this bomb on him, you know, about being born again. So in John 3, beginning with verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Wow, that's confusing, right? Okay. The flesh gives birth to the flesh, right? A mother gives flesh birth to a body to a child. But the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. 
So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Why I'm pointing this out to you is because what Jesus is telling Nicodemus is, yeah, you guys have a belief about the end of all things and about a, a, a Messiah that will come back, right? Like, it's going to come for you. But there's something happening right now. And this thing that's happening right now is going to be really hard to understand because what it is is you are actually born again now. And the guy's like, but I can't be born. Can I go back into my mom and be born again? I'm an old man. No, no. Your flesh, that, that ship has sailed since Adam. Your, your body is dying. Like there's nothing you can do. No plastic surgery, no pills, right? There's not a tea that's been hiding in the Amazon forest that's going to keep your body from deteriorating. You guys are growing. And some of you are about at that point where now all you're doing is dying. Right? I mean, yeah. Oh, that's, this is feel good. Thank you, Pastor Will. Right? Some of you, you're, you're generating more cells than you're losing, right? So you're still growing. The rest of us, things are happening like the pigments are leaving our, our hair. Gravity's catching up to our, our skin. Look at my eyes. They're starting to get more dim, as they say, you know? And, and Brandy's having to say, what's this say in the dark? This is happening. Nothing's going to stop that, okay? So he's not saying that's going to be born again. He said something as mysterious as the wind. It's just you're going to see that in somebody and be like, they're just different now. They're just new. Well, how was? I can't even tell you. It's just like the wind, man. You felt it. You observed it. You see it. But you just don't know what it is. I mean, you do, but you don't. I don't get that, Will. I don't either. I, I, I heard this. I thought it was brilliant. You know how you know that this was written by God, one of the reasons why, is because all these mysteries of the Bible, like the Spirit or the Trinity, have you ever heard a good explanation of any of those? There isn't one that exists, right? Because in all things, we want to know more. We want God to reveal to us what's true, but we will always go to a cliff where we can't get any farther. Because we're not God, and his ways are so much higher than our ways, it says. It says that his ways are like, like the, the heavens to the earth distance from ours. Like, you cannot understand everything about God. So there comes a point where you're like, okay, I've sought all understanding I can, and I just can't get my arms around this thing, because it's God. And then what can you do? What can you do? Worship, trust. So if this was written by man, this guy said, he would have tied all the loose ends up, right? He would have presented it to you in such a way that you could get your arms around it, right? Like the laws. Yeah, I don't pick up my mat. I don't pick up anything heavier than this and carry it this many feet. Got it. That's man, right? God's like, uh, I'm, I'm part of uh, these three parts of God and we're, we're separate and distinct yet united in one. Jesus goes off into the wilderness to talk to God. Well, I thought he was God. Well, he is, but he still had to go talk to God. How does that work? And then meanwhile, he's in Rick's classroom, filling Rick with his spirit so he can talk to you. What? I don't get, I know, Will, you are never going to get it. And the minute you try to explain it, you think you're smarter than God. So yeah, the spirit, I can't even explain it, but you see it in people, right? Haven't you ever known somebody? You're like, you almost think of it. I don't know what it is, like something about you, right? It's just, wow, where'd it come from? That happens now. So Jesus, is he giving life now? Yes. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. That's cool that you want to be right so you get life later. I'm bringing life now, a new life in you. 
Then he goes on, he meets the Samaritan woman in John 4. And he's like, give me a drink. She goes, why are you asking me to give you a drink out of this well? Uh, who are you, you know? And then he's like, well, if you knew who I was, you, you'd be asking me for more than some water. You, you'd be asking me for this living water, this life right now. Living water? Like, what's that, right? Is that infused with electrolytes or what? I mean, I don't know. But so then Jesus in part of this says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. There's something about Jesus when he inhabits your life and and the spirit lives in you, God in you. It's like this well of water. And that water nourishes your soul. So even if you never get any water and you die in what, three days or whatever they say without water, your soul, would, the, the part of you that's eternal, your spirit, right? Whatever title you want to give into it. That thing that disappears when you watch someone die. It's more than blood pressure, okay? That part doesn't, doesn't dehydrate because you have this living water that's constantly like, I don't know what's up with you, Emily, but something in you, man, when I'm around you, it's like, oh, right? I can't even put my finger on it. Yeah, because it's like the wind. It's the spirit of God. You've been born again. That happens now. So there's my answer. Jesus was talking about, was he talking about the uh, resurrection at the end or life now? Yes. So wait, wait. Is it now or the future? Yes. Eternal life. Is that about living forever or, or right now? Yes. Right? You confused? Yes. Okay, what do you do? Worship. I don't know, Lord. Right? Okay. Now, here's another one that kind of like church folk, if you're church folk like me, it's kind of weird, right? Jesus already was talked about like Jesus was there at the beginning in creation. And it says from John here that everything that was created was actually created through Jesus. So every time you think about creation and you're thinking God, it was, it was Jesus was the creative agent, part of God. And those Old Testament stories where the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, show up, right? And in your King James Version, uh, that this was Jesus. He was interacting. And that's a little bit like, whoa, once again, I don't understand. Chris, I don't understand, man. Yeah. So did he have a body before he was born to Mary? I don't know. Right? But at some time, he showed up to Abraham, angel of the Lord. There was these men. He took some kind of form. Uh, you know, Rick, I don't know. Well, we can get in that tonight. We can talk about that tonight if we want, okay? But, but for now... That's challenging. Now, more than this, check this out. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And our view is this like, this gray-haired God with a big staff or something with wavy hair, blowing an invisible wind, is on this throne going to judge you and send you to this big fire hell? That's not even how it goes down. What he's saying here is, for the Father judges no one, but's given all judgment to the Son. I mean, that, that can fire us up in our religion, let alone these guys. You're like, what? You, you, this carpenter guy, you're going to judge all of us in the world in place of God? How about that, Connor? What do you think, man? That, that would challenge me a little bit. Connor's like, hey, welcome. My name is Connor. I come from God. I'm here to judge all of you. I think security team would be on that. They'd be like, oh, we got a problem here. We got a code 934. 
So Paul talks more about this. He wrote letters to the early churches. Love it because that's like us. We're a bunch of knuckleheads trying to figure this thing out and in light of a culture who doesn't believe like we believe. So this, this letter we titled 1 Corinthians, we broke it up into chapters. Call this 1 Corinthians 5, verse 20. But in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let me explain to you, okay? You know the story, even if you don't believe. Jesus, killed by the Romans and the Jews, right? Crucified on the cross. And then taken down, put into a tomb, and then Easter morning they show up and he's gone, right? Then for 40 days he shows up, he's like, hey guys, and they're like, wait, wait, Jesus? Yeah, look, look at my hands. I got holes in them somehow now, but I can walk through walls and eat fish, right? And then they watch this dude get up on a cloud and go away, and they're like, where are you going? He's like, I have to go. I'm going to ascend to the Father because all the authority in heaven and on earth, everything, everything that's keeping you and I breathing. If we were aware of how close we were to death and utter destruction, we would walk outside like this every day. Like, ask the scientists. They've got a bunch of data about, hey, if the earth switches this way, if a meteor gets through, you're all dead, right? So we'd just be like, whoa, okay. We're okay? I can go outside now, God, and no meteor's going to, right? That's what Jesus is doing all the time. He has all the authority. He's in heaven, and he said, a better plan is God's going to send you him to live in you, the Holy Spirit, Why I'm up here taking everything, taking care of everything. I know it's oversimplified, but I got the microphone, so you can tell me I'm wrong later. Uh, but, but in fact, Jesus has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So, we're invited actually to follow a similar path. I mean, not all authority in heaven on earth, but we will die physically and be resurrected like Jesus. Verse 21, for as by a man came death, who's that? Adam and Eve, right? Since then, death has reigned. By man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as an Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ is first fruits. So he goes first, right? Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. We get a new body too. Apparently we can eat fish and walk through walls maybe. I don't know, right? So verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is, expect, he is, he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things, you like this, in subjection under him. Does this make perfectly good sense? Right? Uh, that God may be all in all. Okay, what's happening here? Let me see if I can story it for you. So Jesus, when he ascends, when he leaves us, he takes, he sits at the right hand of the Father, okay? Literal, metaphorical, you can argue about that. But he has all authority and power. And so he's the one controlling all things. He'll be in that position until all things are destroyed and made new. All the enemies, all evil 
is destroyed. And then he's going to give that throne back to God, the Father. Wait, so is he like got a body? I don't know, he left with a body. We're supposed to get a new body. I don't know how that works exactly, right? Like you see these. So Jesus is there. He's in authority. He's going to be there in that place until all evil and death is destroyed. Does that kind of make sense? But not really? Okay. Now, God is the one, however, that's putting everyone under his feet. So if you think evil is existing and Jesus is like, oh, foiled again. Not how it works. If you read in the scripture, every time Satan and evil are messing around, God's like, well, go ahead. <laughs> like, let's, let's watch this. Right? It's not in bunker somewhere. Oh, we're going to speak in code so God doesn't know what we're doing. No, he knows exactly what you're doing. And we're being tested and we're, we're growing and learning. And we're being called to say, no, Satan, yes, Jesus, all the time. Okay? But it's, it's, not, it's not a hidden warfare. It's very visible to God. So God has put all of those under the rule of Jesus. So, so that's a little weird too, right? It's a little different than maybe we... We see the Sunday school stories. But what's really powerful about that, amongst other things, is how Jesus, the guy with all that authority, also walked the earth. Right? Because the distant gods that we make up are always these unfeeling, impersonal, distant beings, or whatever you want to call them, that could care less about us. But we have a guy who died for us, bled for us, knows about starving, knows about loneliness, knows about cold, Knows about sexual temptation, all the temptations that are out there. Your temptation, right? The joy of food, even if it's bad for you. Anger, frustration, betrayal. He knows all that stuff. And he's the one in authority over it all. How awesome is that? So it goes on to say in John, right? So for the Father judges no one, but given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. What's interesting about this here is this raises the stakes. Because this, this actually is asking you to do something and me to do something. And that's this. We've got to accept, if we want to say that we would like to be Christians, we'd like to follow Jesus, we need to understand that he is God, and our honoring him is the same as honoring the Father, because it's God. And if we don't honor Jesus, if we dilute Jesus, if we disobey Jesus, we disobey, dilute, or dishonor God. Okay, I Hey, you know, Corey, can, is there a loophole? Maybe this honor isn't what we thought it was. Okay, let's look that up, okay? So anyone love Greek, right? The word here, honor, was translated from a Greek word, tamao. It sounds like a guy from Uganda or, Uganda or Wakanda, one of the two, but tamao, not, not tomato, but tamao. And, and that the word here translated honor means to estimate or fix a value of something, valuing something, uh, to to show devotion for or to have respect for, devotion to or respect for. So it is kind of what you think. Are you honoring Jesus? Do you have respect for him? Do you value him and his opinion as primary and first most important? So that it does kind of challenge. Well, I thought I'd share, share some notes with you here so I don't forget to tell you. Just some thoughts I had.
have you noticed? Have you noticed how, how much easier of a time people, we people, have with the idea of God? Right? This creator God. Most people, if you did, a, they do polls of people. And a majority of the people say things like, yeah, I believe in God. Someone had to create all of this. But have you noticed it's easy for us to, to accept a God, but once you start talking about this Jesus, this Savior, this God that, that came down to save us, and all his teachings and the things that he said, that's where we stumble. I think that's interesting. And what's funny is, as you look back even then, that, that verse really lends this, this truth that God set it up this way, not because he couldn't control it, but because he knew it would be a stumbling block for people to have this God who was once a man, right? Like, to actually give him that kind of weight and honor him in that way. So he planned that, yet he knew it would be a struggle for you and I. And so what you see, what you see is right from the very beginning, they started already struggling with what to think about this Jesus. As soon as he ascended, all the believers got together. What do we do with this Jesus? Like, okay, he was the son of God. Like, we get that. He was the Savior. He was the Messiah. But, but they didn't have that space for, like, from anointed one sent from God to God himself. So that's the question. So maybe I take it personal. What is it, what is it that, I, that you and I are struggling with that, hey, I'll, I'll accept God, this distant God, but how come Jesus, as this everything God with us Savior, is so hard for us? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, so he said he's personal. He gets personal, up and close and personal, and, and a lot of us just like to have our, our space and not be interfered with at that level. Like, give me a little space, let me, right? But he's up in your grill, up in your business, right? Like, that's... That's this Jesus where God is this distant, like, I'll let you go this way, and then lightning bolt, okay, not that way anymore, right? We'd prefer that. There's a little more wiggle room than the Jesus who's like, oh, let's go this way. Yeah, yeah. That's a good observation. Anyone else? Too simple? Too simple for many people? Yeah. Tell me more about that. What else would you say? Sure. I see, yeah. He's too, he's too simple of a guy to be that powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right, okay. So you guys said a lot of good things there. Let me try to reiterate that. You can say, throw something if I'm wrong. But, but first of all, I mean, just we, we took him for granted because he seemed like humble and simple, right? That's one piece. But the other part is what he was offering seems too easy and simple. Wait, you're going to take care of everything? And, and I just have to follow you and go where you lead me? Like, it seems too simple. It's not religious enough. Can't you give me a set of rules or guidelines? Will you write that out for me? Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
knows stuff about us that we don't want him to know. I always think back to my grandma told me about my uncle, how he used to just go like this. He'd cover his eyes when he did something bad. So, so that he thought she couldn't see him if he couldn't see her. And we always, we always go uh, like that with God. Uh, just, just to look away, God, I'm going to do this thing I want to do. Yeah. He also says to come as little children. Okay. Yes. And to give our life is a big word. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so she said, we're called to come as children. We're with like simple, with faith, but we want to come as adults and make it complicated, right? Like, but tell me about it. Even I say stuff like this and I see people's face like, I don't know, the doctrine police and me are telling you that you can't say it that way, Will. Like, uh, you can't say dude while you preach. Yeah, yes, I can because that's America, right? Like, yeah, yeah, we want to make it complicated. That's why even... All the, hey, we're about religious business, Jesus. We need to get these kids out of here. And they're like, no, the kids stay, right? That's why we have to save them when they're little. That's why we have to... to to That's why it's such a blessing when they're little, right? Because they have a faith. They have a faith, right? And then we, teenage years, we try to sow doubt. We water down Jesus and we stop believing simply. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Someone else? Okay, it takes away our authority because we have nothing to bring or offer, right? Kind of like David was always doing that in the Psalms. Like, who am I that I can give you anything? Like, what do you want, want from us? And it's like, no, nothing. Like, just your love. Like, I, I made you return to me. Yeah. Yeah. He's the only way to the Father. Yep. Yeah, he's the only way, right? He is the way, the truth, and the light. The only way to the Father is through him. Which makes sense when you think about that, right? Because he's doing the judgment. So if you're the guy like, well, that's cool that you believed in God, but I don't know you at all. Depart from me. I don't care what you thought you did. And then he makes the judgment, and then he's like, Dad, here you go. You take over. I'm going to go be with the people. Yeah. This is free. Yeah. Free for you is pretty expensive for God, right? Yeah, yeah, free for you, really, really priced costly for Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Yes. She said God is a nebulous idea, right? It's just like this big idea. There's lots of space, there's randomness, but, but Jesus is so specific, right? Like it's, it's challenging, and as soon as we say yes, then we start saying, but, right? That's what they did in the first century. That's where all those letters come from. Everyone's like, you took what was true, what you knew as a child. Yes, this is true. And we want to complicate it, right? We want to complicate it for sure. Because then Jesus says stuff like this, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes them, or believes him who sent me has eternal life. That can't be that easy, Randy. Where's the list? I know, and a, yeah. All the isms around the world, yeah. Striving in the inward to be that special specialness Yeah. That's what he said, all the isms of the world, they're striving to be like spiritual inside to become whatever it is 
that's, that's right, but Jesus just comes and does it for you. Which makes sense, right? You ever try to jump a battery that's dead in a car? Good luck. There comes a point in time when you can't jump it anymore. So you can do whatever you want to jumpstart your dead spirit, but that's never going to do it until you get a new spirit, right, that God puts in you. Like, then you're alive. Yeah. Truly, I say to you. Now, I understand lots of people think they have faith in God. They say it. They pay lip service. They don't have it. But that's not because it's complicated. That's because it's hard to stay there, right? Like, it's hard to really believe. And honestly, a lot of us are taught really wrong, right? And I probably teach wrong. I get that, okay? Because I'm a man and I only know in part. So every week we talk about a part together. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think how, no matter how brainiac you are, you're going to argue, I was following right next to Jesus, holding his leg, and he's like, I don't know who you are. That's not going to happen. It's the dude who shows up in the last hour who's like, oh, by the way, I've been doing all this stuff over here at my house for you. Really? Oh, who are you? (laughs) Yeah, it's me, like God, right? You don't know me. Right? But if you're the snot-nosed kid who's like, oh, Jesus, like, I'm going everywhere you're going, Jesus. That dude is getting in. I don't care how much you want to argue that. That kind of dependence is what he's looking for, right? Right? So we can argue about how far we can get away from God. What if we were people who are like, I'm not going to try to test my, how far I can get away, but I'm going to be like on his heels, right? I'm going to be on his back, in his arms, whatever it takes. So if we believe Whoever hears his word, right? So there's something about that, guys, that if, he's, if you're hearing this today, there's a reason for that. He's got something for you. And other weeks it might be like, I got nothing today. Okay, right? But, but if you're hearing that, you, you hear his word. Jesus is meeting these people and talking with them. And they're like, I hear you and I believe in God the Father who sent you and I believe in you. He says they have, they has, has eternal life. Not will get eternal life later, but has eternal life now. And he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Not will pass from death to life, because there is this white throne judgment, right? We'll talk about later. There is this where the saints are judged for what they did, and, and the rewards are passed out, and they're, they're paid for what they did, good or bad, right? But there's, there's that, but he's talking about right now. You've passed from death to life. You're supposed to be alive right now. What if the people around were like, hey, I might not agree with those Christians because they don't like this and they like this, but those guys are alive, right? Like, wow, what's, what's up with that stupid smile? Well, it's like it's Christmas morning and it's Monday. What's wrong with you, man? Like, instead of like, oh, geez, I want to be like 95 and really angry and bitter. I'm going to go join that church. That's just, but that's what we're advertising, because we think eternal life is like later, but it's now, the scripture says. Although your body's dying, and it's going to be hard to see it some of the time. Because you're getting blind, too. So it's harder to see. 26, for the Father has life in himself, so he granted the Son also to have life in himself. Right? Now, I cut this sermon in half. Maybe I ate something weird, or maybe it was the Holy Spirit. We'll see how it happens. But this is where, this is where we're going we're gonna to stop today. Um, but let me, let me see if I, I... I'm telling you this stuff from, from the Scripture and my interpretation of it and what's in my heart. 
that God, God created you, but he created you through Jesus. And the one who created you from the very beginning knew he was going to have to come rescue you. How about that? I mean, for all of us that don't feel good enough, there's nothing better to hear than that. In, in Acts 2, we see the, the new reality that took place, right? What, if you've studied the Bible before, what, what, what's one of the big things that happens in Acts 2? Yeah, yeah, right. So the Holy Spirit, which is, which is God. How's that work, Randy? I don't know, dude. Let's back to worship. I don't know, God, how that works, right? But it's like the wind, right? So the whole thing was, was God had a plan from the beginning. It was not plan B, plan A. And he made us, and he, he put us into place, and he has allowed like evil to run to and fro over the land and, and infiltrate all the world systems. And so you're coming against your own selfishness, you're coming against everyone else's selfishness and every system that's birthed from those. It's not easy. And so God, when he created you, he knew that you need a savior. And from the beginning, he told the people the savior is going to come. But when he came, the people who he was told about it were like, no. And so enter America, okay? America, where we've had the freedom and there's stuff that good luck finding someone who's like, I never heard of Jesus before. Now, they might not have heard about him right. But so what happened is God would come and Jesus was present and the Holy Spirit would be on different people, right? He would be there. He would speak to them. They would speak on behalf of God. He would be there. Miraculous things would happen. But a new thing happened because of what Jesus did on the cross and in the ascension and in the resurrection, what God did through Jesus, that now every person who was his would have the full presence of God living in them. Elliot, how's that work? I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't know. But like, right? Like, last night, God's, I, felt, I asked God something very practical in the moment. I went with it. I got a phone call about 30 minutes later, and I'm like, I know why you told me to make that, that choice. Was that random? Maybe. I'm okay if that's random. I'd rather be practicing listening for God and doing what he asked me to do. Okay? Not to bring myself glory, but it is. It's that important. That's more powerful for you as a believer of the Holy Spirit than every tongue you can pray, every chant you can make, okay? Not that there's not a place for any of that stuff, right? That is the guidance. That is the Lord leading you, okay? But these people, at this point in Acts 2, you had two groups of people. You had people who had a religion, and they had that list everyone's asking for. This is too simple. Give me the list. They gave him the list. The list became God. And then you had the people who were a little bit on the outskirts. I guess it's not fair to say just two. Let's just say there's groups of people. One group is like, very like, no, my list is right. If you challenge my list, I kill you. And that's good because God wants me to do that. And then there's the other people on the end. I never quite fit in with their list. And so I feel rejected, dejected. 
and they're just listening. And then there's the people unsettled in the middle. And I think any church building you go into, there's probably all three of those in there. And so Peter, who was a fisherman, right, now filled with the Holy Spirit, gives this sermon of sermons. I could have just read it to you. It would have been better than anything I can do. Right? Now, listen to the end of this. Now when they heard this, they, all the people in those three camps, so do this, okay, just because, just because I, I want you just to imagine, right? Imagine, which one of those are you in? Would you say you're a person like, oh, well, I, I get a little bit stuck because I, I've got my religion and my rules and the way that things are, and I'm struggling with it. Or are you like, I came up in that, but I don't know. Something in here, right? It's just like, oh, I, I don't know. Or maybe you're the person who's just never been part of that, and you just feel like you maybe don't belong. Okay, are you grabbing on to maybe one or two of those? For you. And now you've heard this about this God who loved you so much that when he made you, he knew he'd have to come rescue you. And he did it. He did it. And now what he's offering you is to be with you no matter what happens as your body dies, as the world decays around you, to be this water in life in you that's making your spirit new. And that's like, whoa. If you're part of the group who just had a good rules, he's like, put down your list. Come on. If you're in the middle, he's like, the reason why you felt that that was me, I've got something better for you. Maybe you felt like you didn't belong, and his message to you is like, this is home with me. And now it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Oh, Lord, cut us to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent. What's that mean? Turn around, change your direction, change your mind about this. And then the next thing he says, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So I can't give it all to you in, in one scene, but this is it, like, we're going we're gonna to do something here. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and they're going to play quietly. We also, every month, we, we do this in remembrance of Jesus and what he's done. And, and it could be called the Lord's Supper or Communion. And the idea is, it's a, it's a tremendous reminder and a tremendous act of intimacy and community. And what happens is you've got two pieces here. You've got, you've got bread, which are the crackers, and they represent Jesus' body. And his body was broken for you and I so that we would have this way back to the Father. And then the juice here represents his blood, which cleanses us of all of our sin. And so in sort of a weird combination of ways, I, I want to invite, I want to give you an invitation 
I know that word's been hijacked, but, but if, if you're cut to the heart by what you're reading here, then I'm, I'm going to take off of Paul's advice, or, or I'm Paul, Peter's advice, who walked with Jesus. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is we're going to pray, change my direction because of what I heard. And the second thing, we're going we're gonna to be baptized. So is anyone, very plain, have you been denying getting baptized? I don't want you to do that anymore. We'll fill up the hot tub. We'll baptize you soon. So you can do that first act of real obedience to God and follow him. So I want to give you that invitation that you would come up in this time. Okay. And, and maybe you're like, man, that's good. I just needed that reminder, Will. I'm going to invite you to come on up and take communion and just praise Jesus. Like, come back to Jesus. Focus on Jesus from all that's in the world. Like, if you want to be saved from this crooked generation, this is the way you do it. It's not money. It's not politics. It's Jesus. And so here's an opportunity for you to come and worship just to sit with God and do that. But maybe you, you need, you've been cut to the heart and we need to baptize you. Would you come see me? I'll go stand in the back so it's less embarrassing for you. But come back. Talk to me if you need prayer, if you need to be baptized, if this cuts you to the heart, okay? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for all the people that that you've gathered together. Lord, I thank you for their, their willingness to hear. I pray that you would speak to them because you are the one true God. And that I pray that anyone who's cut to the heart would not be afraid, but would step forward to whatever it is you're asking them to do. That they would do that next act of obedience to you. That they quit being a person, how far can I get, but be a person on your leg, like, yes, whatever, Jesus. Have your way here, Lord. I pray over this, this act of worship, Lord. I thank you for spilling your blood so that a sinner like me could be washed clean again and again from my sin. I thank you for letting your body be broken for me so that even though my body is dying, I can live forever starting now. All praise, all honor, all glory, all celebration to you, Lord Jesus, the one who made me, the one who is saving me now and will rescue me forever. Amen.